Hola, mi amigos and mi amigas, and welcome to another episode of Touchline Thoughts, powered by the Garage Door Sports Network. I'm Arfan Manji, your usual host. In today's agenda, we're going to look at the MLS. We're going to do a small playoff preview, and also we're going to look over at match week four of the Champions League. So let's get comfortable, and we'll see you in a bit. Today's guest is the editor at the Waking the Red. Waking the Red is a Toronto FC community nation that is fan run. He also writes professionally and is hoping to be more involved in sports journalism in the future because, well, that's what he's studying right now. I'd like to welcome Brady Reed. How are you, Brady? I'm good, Arfan. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for joining. Um, you want to tell our listeners about Waking the Red a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, like you said, very, very flatteringly there. Uh, Waking the Red is a Toronto FC. It's a fan-run site. It's it's part of the SB Nation umbrella. And I'll be honest, I'm just humbled to be in a group of guys as, as talented as the guys we have there. And, you know, we're constantly putting out content and we cover a little bit of Canadian soccer as well. So if either of those two things that you're in niche, I suggest you, you definitely check it out. Uh, are all the writers, like amateur writers or young writers that are applying their trade or can anyone reach out to you and say hey we want to write for you yeah definitely I mean that's not it's not necessarily me who does the the hiring or the recruitment but I mean I'd certainly put in a good word and and the guy who runs our site is actually a fellow centennial guy and can't say enough good stuff about Mike so yeah I mean you can shoot shoot me or or Michael a message and I I think we're always looking for for people who are talented and knowledgeable on TFC Awesome. We'll uh, we'll put out your ads and your website at the end of the the episode there, and um, I'll also tweet it out so listeners you can go ahead and pick Brady's brain on that one. Yeah, there you go. Awesome. Well, we're gonna move on to our starting eleven today, which is brought to us by Shenzi Shack. Don't forget to give Shenzi Shack and Chef Sab a follow on Instagram as they bring you cuisines from around the world. They deliver and are available for pickup in the GTA and Toronto area. So if you want some good food, reach out to them. I will tweet. I will sorry. I will tweet their Instagram link a, at the end of this episode. So let's start off. Um, a couple of days ago, the Dash and the Dynamo dropped their logo. Um, initial impressions. We'll be quick with this one. Sure. Uh, I like the rebrand for a couple of reasons. I think the logo is a lot sharper. I think when I seen the old Houston Dynamo logo, I thought of that. 90s MLS with like those run-up shootouts and it was very it was very old school North American football but also Mm -hmm. it it shows you know maturity and then they want to become a true football club as opposed to you know what we might know as a soccer team and I think that's kind of the trend that the entire MLS is going and I like the Dash's logo and color scheme even better to be honest I think it's super sharp and they've had a lot of ton of success on the field as well too so yeah exciting times in Houston. For sure I mean to me when I first saw it I thought it looked very baseball-esque, so it seemed like mm-hmm. the Giants or something like that kind of mm-hmm. came out with the rebrand. So I was like, "That no, it's not It's not a soccer-related item, but it was, yeah. right? So, um, yeah. I mean, good on them for partnering with each other, like the Dynamo and the Dash together. I think it increases the growth of the game for the women's sport and the men's sport collectively. I mean, the Dash just have been playing phenomenally the last year, right? 
I mean, the Dynamo, not so much, but I think with the rebrand and, and the ability to say this is soccer focused, this is footy focused, this is our goal, I think it's, it's a great initiative. And they, they've named it uh, Hold It Down, I believe. Or Yeah, that's um, the slogan. Exactly. Yeah, that's your yeah. slogan, right? So, hey, they're holding it down. They want people to come yeah. in. And I mean, what better time to kind of rebrand when everything's a little quiet and you get a little bit more traction out of your product? Yeah, 100%. All right. Well, past the logos, uh, something interesting came up while I was reading it. I'm not sure if you got a chance to see it. And it's something that I I think the MLS has been thinking about or talking about for a little bit is the combination of the MLS and the Liga MX. Um, Do you see that happening at any point in time that these two, I guess, leagues amalgamate into one massive league and then you have Canada, USA and Mexico kind of playing together? I've, I, I did see this suggestion. I'm not sure particularly where I read it again, but I think I came across it on Twitter and well, there's elements of it that I, I think are intriguing on in one sense, but I don't think the people who are running the MLS and, and, and the brand that they're trying to establish, I don't think that that necessarily aligns with kind of piggybacking on Liga MX. I mean, mm-hmm. it's certainly, it's certainly tons of quality in that league probably still right now remains the top league in North America, but I feel like that that's why things like the, the CONCACAF Champions League exists. So we can mm-hmm. you know, measure the best of, of MLS and, and, and Liga MX and now CPL as well. And I think that, that that's what makes that competition unique. And I don't necessarily think that, you know, throwing all these, these together in a blender in, in one league is, is the best direction for North American football, in my opinion. No, for sure. I mean, it, I think it would hinder the game a little bit considering we need a little bit more growth up here in North America in terms of soccer. I mean, yeah, obviously there's the ranks, like the provincial ranks and the kids, they're able to play a little bit more. But when you get up top, it's not the same competitive level as, let's say, Europe, for example, that's been there for years and years. So, um, I mean, I, I just was a little interested to see that the former MLS deputy commissioner, Ivan Gazidis, made this comment about how he says that there's a potential for growth and um, it might be that the MLS is moving a little far ahead than Liga MX in terms of ratings and funding. So I think it might be the opposite where they're trying to maybe piggyback and get some sort of structure because I think the MLS's structure is improving. No, certainly. I think in some ways when you think of what's the talks in Europe of, of making a Super League, obviously from a product standpoint, like there's, there's something that, that could be enticing about that, but at the same time, it's not that simple. I mean, we have different different cultures, and obviously, what does that mean for for other teams? And if you combine MLS and Liga MX, and are we going to have a fifty team league? Like it, mm-hmm. logistically, I'm not sure it's there. I, it, like you said, it's interesting who's making those comments, but yeah. I don't see that in the near future. Okay, well, that's fair. I mean, I would have said yeah. you know maybe the closest thing would be like having structured divisions, like a top tier to a second to a third and then kind of everyone moves up and down, I guess. I mean, you can do relegation. I think that way teams that finish dead last, like the Dynamo did recently, um, yeah. they have something to play for. And it isn't just like, all right, we've lost half this season. We're just going to go out there and feel something and see what we have. Yeah. The, the pro rel argument in North American soccer is one that it's not going to go away anytime nope. soon. So, yeah. <laughs> sure. All right. Well, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the supporter shields came out and said, they're going to scrap, the shield right that they're not going to have that anymore at that time 
TFC was on top and Greg Fanny made a comment and players made a comment and now they backtracked and there is a supporter shield, but unfortunately TFC is not in first. Um, right. What'd you think about the, the decision by supporters shield to come out and say that, well, there's no fans. So meh, we're done. Yeah. I, I thought it was a little bit disappointing. Um, I, I can't say I was as outraged as some people just because maybe you know, I, I kind of try to cover the game from a from a non-biased standpoint. I'm not necessarily a fan per se or a supporter, I guess. But yeah, the timing was the big thing for me, right? Like if this was something that was announced way back when, when we weren't playing games and and there was no real standings to kind of go off, maybe then it's not as controversial. But, you know, when you're at that point in the season where teams have been putting so much into it and and for tfc especially i know that the supporter shield is like is something to strive for right like mm-hmm. whether this is the premier league where the person at top of the table at the end of the season actually wins or not they still they want that like that's something that's important in that dressing room and in that in that club and so i can see why the frustration was there like i mm-hmm. said i didn't necessarily share it but i for me it was honestly it was the timing even though it, it ended up being philadelphia that that did yeah. win that supporter shield do you think that they made the comment potentially because there's a Canadian team on top of the standings? Um, I'm just, you know, creating some fire that might not be there, but do you think that could be the reason? Like if Philadelphia was leading at that point, do you think they would have came out and make that comment so late in the season? Well, you're not, you're not the first person to suggest something like that, right? I mean, it's, yeah. whether it's controversial or not, it's, it's not necessarily an unpopular opinion. Uh, I'd, I, I'm an optimistic person. I'd like to believe that's not the case, but like I said, you you might even be in the majority in, in Toronto circles with that thought. To be For sure. I mean, I, I don't know. Like they, they said that we have the CPL and we have the Canadian League or whatever where the Canadian teams play each other. Fine. That's that's fine. But I mean, this is something different. This is like you said, it's it's a confidence boost. It's something for the locker room. It's something that you can put on a mantle saying that, you know, we've won the last couple of years. We made the finals the last couple of years. This is just something to add to our silverware because I don't think silverware um, is a bad thing to have right like you can ask Spurs fans who sit there on top of their, their trophy case with bare bones right so mm-hmm. I think any sort of trophy is welcome yeah no, I agree 100% and I mean kudos to Philly they they haven't been able to win anything in recent years and I'm not sure many expected that at the beginning of the season either so I mean they deserve full marks as well to to ultimately do take it home yeah for sure I mean speaking of the team that wasn't first when the supporter shield announcement came out TFC uh, what do you make of their season so far or I guess going into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, it's been, obviously it's been a strange one. It's, it's been a strange one for the MLS in general, but for the Canadian teams, it's really been wild. Like, you know, going down in Orlando to play in that tournament and then coming back and sort of playing in this three team Canadian league for a period. And now being based out of Hartford, it's been, it's been a weird one. Like it's been injury plagued. It's been, you know, plenty of travel and quarantining and spending time away from family. But ultimately, like this group is super resilient. I think we've seen that in the way they performed in the playoffs in the last five years or so. I think we've seen that in the way that they've been able to steal games where they probably shouldn't have won this season, to be honest. And I think that reflects in the standings. And so overall, I think it's got to be, obviously they they wanted that supporter shield, but it's got to be a success when when you finish second in, in a season where, there's just been so many obstacles and, and the potential for making a run at MLS Cup is, is still very much alive. Right. And they finished with a 13, five and five record. So it's not a, not a joke. Like they, they were, they won games that they needed to win. And I think when you're 
a contending team or a champion team, even when you're when you're about to lose a game, I think it's super important to come out and win that game, and that shows the signs of, I guess, a winner there. I mean, my my biggest question, I guess, or a question mark for TFC going into the playoffs is the last four games they've won one and they lost three, and they didn't play very well in any of those games. I mean, they got smoked yeah. against the Union, who have been nine and zero at home this season, so all right, I'll take that. But five is a little bit much. Um, they, they lost one nil to New York. They, they beat inter Miami who I don't know what they're doing this year, but, and then you, you lose to the Red Bulls who, I mean, I mean, they, they've played decently Well, I'm just going to pull up their standings and see where they were. But what do you make of that? Like, is this something that the fans should be worried about? Would you be worried about this in terms of a poor form going into the playoffs? I mean, it's definitely a concern. Like if you look historically at, at which teams go into the playoffs and win MLS cup, it is often a team that was super hot down the stretch, AKA mm-hmm. like the way TFC finished last season, they were, they were not very good to start. And then they caught fire towards the end and, and they just ended up coming short against Seattle, obviously. But yeah, they, they, they kind of struggled down the stretch this season, but I mean, I don't want to make excuses for them, but the injury bug, like really, really bit them towards the end of the season. And it wasn't just, wasn't just any players it was key guys obviously Bradley Altador and I mean the list goes on and on but from from what I heard from Greg Vanny today in his update they, they seem pretty optimistic that they're going to have almost close to their best 11 for next Tuesday and so if that's genuinely the case especially to start the game I, I would fancy them against almost any team in the league so it, it's definitely not panic time but I think it would be it would be silly to not be at least a little bit concerned like you said about you know the way that they dropped results yeah, sure. especially the last four games i mean they're going in without any momentum and i think when you when you're playing short amount of games you need some momentum and some sort of win to kind of take you through and like you said last year they were hot when they got in and that's what got them to the finals they weren't necessarily the greatest team all season but when you're hot you're hot right and i think that's super important and so you touched on the inner injury bug here is josie altador is this his last season? Do you think that they need to move on from Josie considering he hasn't been healthy since he's been here? Like he's been effective when he's healthy and he's been phenomenal, but right. what, what do you do when, when you, he's barely played? Yeah. I, the, the emergence of Io Akinola makes this even more intriguing, right? Because in previous years, it's kind of been Josie or nobody with regards to a true number nine. And obviously Akinola's shown he can more than fill in and in his absence and so what's really going to intrigue me is let's let's assume Altador and Akinola are both healthy next week what 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 does Greg Vanny do with the lineup like mm-hmm. obviously Altador is his guy and he's always been pretty faithful to him but Akinola has been one of the breakout well he's, he was he finished fourth in young player of the year award voting so and that goes to show you how successful he's been and yeah, this is an interesting one, and this is not a this is a topic that comes up a lot in TFC circles. Is it time to move on? And to be honest, the financial side of things it, it makes it not necessarily that simple. Who wants to take on that Josie contract, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot of money for a guy who's playing regularly, let alone a guy who, like you said, has been on the shelf quite a bit. And yeah, it's a tough one. I, like it's hard to take the emotion out of it, right? This guy's been a huge part of this team and the success they've had in the past couple of years. And I think next week, when we see what Greg Vanny decides to do, does he go with the the young guy who's been performing so well, or does he go with the veteran who who he's had for you know the last five six years? And I think that 
decision might play a pretty big part in what happens in the offseason. So even if his contract is massive, do you think they can bring someone of low cost in potentially that has been around the MLS? I, I don't know. Like you can pick anyone who's young, who's talented. Like, could you bring in a little bit more depth possibly instead of if you can't get rid of his contract? Right. Um, you know, what's the one good thing about this season is with no TFC two, they've, they've kind of experimented with some of those younger guys who would have not necessarily gotten a chance. And I, I think that that, is a sign that like, PFC have a lot of talent in the pipeline and in recent years, they haven't necessarily gone that route to, to find replacements. And I, I personally like, you know, much like yourself, I'm sure I watch a lot of European football. I like see, you know, the local kid come up and snatch a spot in the 11 and then, then he's, you know, he's a senior player and that's how it works. I would love to see TFC adapt that model. The MLS kind of seems to be trending in that direction in general. So if they can get Josie off the books or if they need to get Josie off the books, I would really love to see them try to solve it internally, to be honest. And I think, yeah. you know, the way that Akinola's performed this year and even Ralph Creasel played a couple of games in midfield at the end of the year. I, I just recently did like a deep dive with all their their young guys who are on loan and stuff. I'd love to see some of these guys get an opportunity because I think there's a lot of potential in their in their prospect pool. Any question marks on Craig Vanny or at any point in time? Is he the coach of the present, the future for TFC? I mean... I know my answer to this, but I, I thought I'd toss it out there. Sure. I think the, the thing about the future is like, is he like, you know, LA galaxy are, are going to be looking for a coach. His name gets thrown in that hat. And I've seen guys suggest actually just recently they had uh, Jesse March on, um, on the, sorry, Grant Wall's podcast. And he's obviously the Red Bull Salzburg coach now. And, and knowing he said of the American guys doing it in the MLS right now that, Maybe Greg Penny's the next guy to make the jump to Europe, but I know he certainly, I know he follows Man City closely. He's a big Guardiola admirer. And so if a team in Europe came calling and he was able to make that next step, I, I'm not sure that he'd be able to turn that away. So I, I personally like Greg, uh, I, like I said, the, the tendency to not necessarily give the young guys an opportunity. I don't know if that's Greg or the organization as a whole, but I would like to see a little more of that. But overall, I, I'm, I'm team Vanny. I'm not, I'm not the people screaming Vanny out after, after every loss. No, I, I think you end up looking more at the injuries before you start looking at Craig Vanny. Cause I think he's done a great job over the last six years, right. In, in terms mm-hmm. of what has he been able to bring to the team. And um, I think the play culture in Toronto FC has changed. I mean, if you go back to the early days of Danny Dicchio and you look at the way they play there, right. Yeah. And you compare it to now, I mean, yeah, it's a completely different roster set, but it's a different mindset. And I think, I think that's what makes TFC important um, moving forward. And I think their development is also super important there. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I feel like, like you said, and kind of like what we touched on with Houston, this wanting to become a, a true football club is, is what TFC have done so well. And that's kind of part of the blueprint of, of the MLS moving forward. Sure. And also helps with MLSE being able to put money into this team. I think you look at funding and I think that's the biggest question mark for a lot of clubs, right? Like the Dynamo and the Dash are paired together. So there is some sort of funding, some sort of revenue coming through. And I think with TFC being in that MLSE bubble with the Leafs and the Raptors um, and the Argos, you're making something. And I think if you can keep winning, I think that's, that's important. That's a testament to what this team can do moving forward. 100% the money plays a huge role in it for sure I mean yes there's COVID but uh, you still got to put something into it right yeah 
Um, so let's move on to the the MLS playoff preview. We'll do it quickly. I know um, the sure. play-in rounds are, I believe, on the 20th of November. Uh, so Nashville will play Inter-Miami, and then the Revolution will play the Impact. Um, based on, I guess, those two matchups, who do you think is more likely to go through based on current form or based on just your gut feeling? Sure. Um, I like Nashville in the battle of the expansion teams just because they've been so stingy down the stretch. They really, they really haven't coughed up a ton of goals, and that's not necessarily what we usually see from expansion teams. Miami have got some great individuals, but they don't. I, I'd have a hard time really nailing down what their identity is or what they're trying to accomplish in a game. Whereas when you watch Nashville, they just they look like a much more cohesive group. And in one-off football, I like I like a team who's you know defense first and and has a clear idea of what they want to do. And then you know for Montreal and New England, I I, I think Montreal is going to have a hard time winning just just because Sam Piet's going to be unavailable through suspension and. And as of today, it looks like Victor Vanyama is going to be unavailable as well due to due to international duty and not being able to make it back in time. So th- those are probably their two most important midfielders and the guys who kind of cover their back line. And so I just I, I don't see how they're going to keep New England at bay, unfortunately. I'd, I'd love to see Montreal pull it off and, and get a game against TFC because those are always fun. But mm-hmm. my gut tells me New England and Nashville. Um, hey, I... I- actually can't argue with you there i think new england with bruce arena at the helm there um i think plays a huge part of what the rev can do i mean they might not necessarily blow you away but having a manager who's been there before and knows how to win um he'll know how to frustrate these teams and i think with thierry Henry coming in he wants them to be more you know abrasive and be able to jump out there and make a play and do this and do that and i think bruce arena is gonna bore the hell out of you for a second um <laughs> and they'll be content with the one nil win and and you know what when you're playing playoffs and any sport in terms of playoffs if you can grind a win out you take a win right no 100 percent. and i think with inter miami at that point uh they just look for higuain up front and <laughs> that's that's the, it's a one focused attack and i think once they figure out their identity past this year and i think that's what's going to be important with beckham and co is um who can you bring in who wants to come play for your team and then you kind of make your way out there. Yeah, no, they're they're ambitious. Like I'll I'll tell you that. Like I spoke to Jay Chapman, who obviously is a former TFC guy and is now with Miami, and he's he's just super excited about the culture and and the way that that team is. Well, obviously, you know, you bring in Matuidi and Higuain in year one. Like they're not young guys, and they're not necessarily the best version of themselves. But clearly, they're you know they're serious about it, and they want to kind of grow a global brand. And I think as far as year one goes to make this expanded playoff format is, is success. And if they can upset Nashville or anybody else, I think that'll just be gravy. Yeah, for sure. Um, so for listeners who don't follow the MLS as often, uh, are the players in the, in terms of the not players, the games in the quarterfinals, is it just one leg or are we playing two legs here? So this year it's going to be all single elimination. And so I, I think that, that probably i guess favors the home teams the higher seeds obviously so like you said about philadelphia being undefeated at home and that's getting that, that for, yeah and getting that's that crazy for, that's gonna be huge right yeah it's gonna be huge yeah i think if if it's the way it's seated currently i think you're on the right path here it, it, what else are you gonna see from these teams is if your home record is good you're gonna have you're going to be successful. And I think 
going through there. All right, so we don't know who TFC or the Union are playing because the play around is going to happen shortly. Um, based on the crew and the Red Bulls, or I guess Orlando and New York FC here, are you like? Do you have a anyone that you think might stand out in these in these competitions? Um, yeah, I've, I've thought about this a little bit and, and MLS in general, but particularly the Eastern conference is like super tight. There's a ton of parody. Right. And I think we've seen that down the stretch with some of the results TFC dropped and, and some of the results, obviously on the other side that these teams are able to pick up and sneak into the playoffs. And so I think that, that, that three to six range in the East is like, it's pretty tight. I think you're really splitting hairs with the two New York teams. Orlando, Columbus are probably slightly, slightly better than the other three, but on form, they, they haven't been particularly good. I mean, they were unbelievable to start the year. It looked like a shoe in for supporter shield and then obviously ended up finishing third. So, um, yeah, I, I actually like NYCFC as a little bit of a dark horse, but again, if they got bounced in the first round, I wouldn't bat an eye either. But if I really had to peg one down, I would go with the fifth seed. And just because I like New York City's, roster like as a complete team and also mm-hmm. there hasn't been a ton of turnover like this is a lot of the same guys who tfc have kind of faced off against the playoffs and in, in the most you know last two or three years and so you look at all those series and if if a couple of bounces go new york's ways like who's to say they aren't an mls cup and just based on that alone i think that they're a team that i like with regards to kind of a dark horse mm-hmm. and like you said alluded to is their nucleus has stayed similar right and i think that's important for team growth um tfc's done the same thing with their nucleus of bradley and i mean when giovingo was there but altador so i think again back to identity right it's they've built yeah. something and i i think you're onto something they might not mm-hmm. be a dark horse or they could be we don't know mm-hmm. i mean orlando city here I, I like i'm looking at that matchup and i think the orlando city and new york city fc might be the best matchup in the eastern conference just because you've like the way Nani ended the season for Orlando he was hot right yeah um so uh, listeners this is something to keep an eye out I think this will be a fantastic game and it feels more like a semi-final ish matchup regardless of seating but um yeah. something definitely to look at no I uh, agree we'll move over to the to the Western Conference quarterfinals here um any team that might be a dark horse here any team that you think will be in the finals again yeah, like I, I wanted this, you know, the, the two versus seven matchup, the Seattle LAFC was like, that was probably shaping up to be the one game from a neutral standpoint that I was most excited about in the quarterfinals. And then obviously the COVID news we've gotten the last few days with LAFC and no Diego Rossi and they're going to yeah. miss a couple of other guys as well, a couple starters at that. And so, I mean, Seattle's, we were talking about TFC success. I mean, Seattle's been there every single time with them the last, you know, three out of the last four seasons and Correct. won two out of those three MLS Cups. So I don't see a scenario now where LAFC can pull off the upset. So honestly, the West is a lot easier to predict for me. I think, you know, like this is kind of boring, but the top four teams might might just might get out of the first round. And, and the, the weird thing about the West for me is that Sporting Kansas City is actually in first, but everybody's picking Seattle to get in the MLS Cup. And, Mm. I'll include myself in that everybody to be honest because I just yeah. don't they're they're like they're like TFC right where they've got this, this senior group of guys who have played with each other for so long and just seem to be able to turn it on at the right time and I, I don't especially in single elimination games I think I, I think Seattle's good for another run at MLS Cup to be honest yeah I mean you look at the Western Conference going in before the seedings there's three teams tied at 39 points so flip a coin there like I think you could 
my best. Like you can pick any of those three teams, like Portland had a good year. Um, But Seattle, like you said, the experience counts when you come into the playoffs. Um, Yeah. Sorry. No, it's okay. Yeah, I know. I really, the the entire season, I've just been overlooking supporting KC. And so to be honest, I half kind of hope that they have some success and hopefully I'll hear it from their fans on Twitter or something because (laughs) It's really unfair that they're first in the West and I know not a lot of people have given them a ton of love. So take the underdog, run with it. That's the important part. Yeah. Uh, so the MLS awards were announced uh, just before the, the start of the playoffs. Um, anyone surprised you out of the list? Uh, I can read out the winners if you like. Uh, goalkeeper yeah, sure. of the year was Andre Blake. Newcomer of the year was Lucas Zellerian. Um Rookie of the year was Diego Rossi. Coach of the year, Jim Curtin. And come up player of the year was Bradley Wright Phillips. Uh, any of those names really surprise you there? No, I I, I kind of thought that they, for the most part, got all these right. Obviously, there's a couple still to come out, most notably MVP. But mm-hmm. if there was one that, that I maybe would have changed my vote, it actually would have been coach of the year. I think we talked about Orlando, and I think Atina's never made the playoffs. Oscar Perea comes in and he's done such a fantastic job with that team and balancing egos when you get guys like Nani in a league that frankly is, you know, just not the level he's used to. He won yeah. the Champions League with United. He's won the year, you know, the Euros with Portugal. So, I mean, it's hard to dismiss a coach that just brought this team to the supporter shield. And I, I think full marks to Jim Curtin, but if I had a vote, I, it would have been Oscar Perea in Orlando. Fair enough. Um, so the MVP hasn't been announced. The five candidates are Blake, Lodiro, uh, Morris, Pozuela, and Rossi. Who, in your pick, takes them? Biases aside, of course. Of course, yeah, no biases. No, I mean, honestly, like, if this is truly most valuable player, I think it actually, it has to be Pozuelo. Like, we talked about TFC a little bit, and even though they're second in, in the table in the East, you look at their goal differential and their goals for, and it's not, it's not really that impressive, to be honest. It's not the TFC that we're used to seeing. They haven't scored a ton, and, and if it wasn't for Pozuela, you got to think, like, where would this team even be in the, in the standings right now? And so, I mean, when you have two guys both on Seattle that are most valuable player candidates, both fantastic players, but I don't know if they're, they can both be most valuable on the same roster for me. Um, Rossi, fantastic player, obviously young player of the year, maybe not, maybe not Pozuelo level of valuable. And then obviously Blake, the, the, the goalie that played basically every game on the stingiest defensive side in the league, he deserves a shout. But at the end of the day, if you want to talk about like replacing a guy with the, the average kind of player in that position across the league, I think it, it has to be Pozuelo this season for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't argue with any of the picks that are on there. I mean, there's a reason they've yeah. been there, but I think having two Seattle players caught my eye as well. And I'm glad you called it out, but I mean, all right, we'll take more soft. We'll have one more player that's MVP caliber. So it's a little difficult to, to make that decision, but I think Rossi's going to push them a little bit because we're going to see if LAFC lose in the first round, how right. important Rossi is to that, to that lineup. Right. Yeah. I mean, Rossi's, you know, one of my favorite guys in the league to watch. And I think when you talk about guys who have that potential to kind of jump to Europe or, or a higher level, I think he's, he's one of the first names that would be on that list. Excellent. Yeah, for sure. Um, MLS also announced that the new season's going to start March, 2021, despite COVID-19 concerns. So um, 
it's nice that they they actually have something set in stone uh yeah you saw that did you have anything do you think they should push it around do you think that's a good time to start uh yeah so like obviously the, there was a long stretch where we weren't playing matches just like basically every other major league in north america but with regards to a, an off-season timeline, it's really not that much different than, than what we typically see with the MLS. Obviously, Toronto's been lucky enough to host a couple of final games, and there's been some frigid days down on the lake shore there and at BMO. And, you know, like this is kind of just par for the course for the MLS, and, you know, we'll still get a couple of months of an off-season. So I don't have any issue with starting in March. It's, I honestly think the NBA has kind of rushed it a little bit. We're not We're not quite at that level, and so... If you can start on time and it's not, you know, it's not an issue with regards to balancing international breaks or, or that sort of thing, I think, why not? Well, thank you for that. That ends our starting 11 for today. Uh, remember that our starting 11 was brought to us by Shenzi Shack. Don't forget to give Shenzi Shack and Chef Sab a follow on Instagram as they cook different cuisines from around the world. Um, the chef creates desserts and meals. Um, that look fantastic um, also camera work really helps they're, they're great with the camera so great food um, give them a follow anyways so our extra time segment I haven't done this in a while but I'm really glad I get to do this again with you um, you mentioned you like the Champions League you follow the Champions League um, match week four is about to start we saw you know different results in match week three it's a, the teams are playing the same teams again um, if we look at Tuesday, for example, we have you know, uh, Chelsea playing Rennes, we have Sevilla playing Krasnodar, Lazio Zenit, Dortmund Club Bruges, Dinamo Kiev, Barcelona, Juventus, Ferenavikos, sorry, I butchered that, uh, <laughs> Paris, Saint-Germain will play Leipzig, and United will play Istanbul. Um, based on, I guess, Tuesday's slate, we'll get to Wednesdays shortly. Uh, any team here, you want to pick a winner from each, each game and then maybe talk about your team or if you have a team? Yeah, so like you said, obviously a, a big, big Champions League guy, and you know one of the one of the great things about the Champions League for me is that I don't really have any skin in the game, and so I can sit down and, and just enjoy it from a neutral, and obviously as just about as high quality of football as as we can get. And so, yeah, if we want to run down the list, obviously this is the reverse fixture, so I can cheat a little bit and look at what <laughs> happened uh, a couple of weeks back. But yeah, I like I like Sevilla, I like Chelsea. I like Dortmund. I like Barca. We'll go Juve, Lazio, Menu, and I think PSG are going to get one back on Leipzig because I think if they lose this game, their chances of advancing are just about done. For sure. I mean, we'll we'll start with uh, Group E because that's the first four uh, group teams up there. If Chelsea and Sevilla win, I think we're looking at them going through, and I don't think that surprises anybody by any no. standard. I think the teams, even though they haven't been overly great. I, I it's not the, the group of death, right? Um, Borussia Dortmund Lazio, uh, they're my picks as well. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you with any of them. I don't think. Um, I think Dortmund's electric, and, and so having them in the next round is going to be uber important for for fans and the club. Uh, Lazio, uh, they're sitting mid table in the Serie A. They shouldn't be sitting mid table because they've played some really good games this season. So see that. And they've been really good in Europe, so we'll give them give them that one. And I think I think my upset here is I want to pick an upset. I really, really do, but yeah. I, it's tough with Barcelona being much better than Dinamo <laughs> Kiev. Like it's going to be a messy penalty or something, and it's going to be another two one score. Um, yeah. 
Juve, Ronaldo, kind of hard to put those without a win. Um, I think you're right here. I think PSG need to win against Leipzig. There's no doubt about it. I think Leipzig's going to come out firing because they're going to push PSG, but yeah, I think they need to be healthy. And then, and then if they lose, I'm going to tell you now, I think Thomas Tuchel's done. That's my, that's my prediction. I think he's done. I think if you can't consistently win in Europe and I mean, yeah, he was in the finals last year, but I don't think he's seeing eye to eye Willie or Nardo currently. Mm-hmm. I think he's done. And I think Maurizio Pochettino might get his name thrown out. I think Ralph, uh, who's in something, I can never say his last name, the guy over at Southampton might get a little shot at this. And then maybe Craig Vanny goes over to Southampton. So you'll see some switches, right? Um, these are just like bold predictions that never happened. But um, if I was going to bet, I wouldn't bet on myself though. But <laughs> I, I, don't, I, uh, I don't hate that actually. I think, like you said, I mean, PSG winning the French league at this point is not, it's not really an achievement to be completely honest. Like they, they want to win the champions league, right? They got so mm-hmm. close last year, but to, to exit in the group stage, I don't think it would matter that they had that recent success. I don't think you're wrong. I think his, his days would be numbered. I like Poch as a shout actually. I really like Poch. So I just want to see the guy manage again. I do. I mean, yeah. United keeps getting linked to him, but I don't think he's going to necessarily end up at United. I don't think he should go to United. I think yeah. if you want to start your own culture, then PSU would be it. And at that yeah. point, Neymar can go and build your mm-hmm. team around Pape. I'm cool with that as a fan, but um, mm-hmm. realistically, there's that. And then Manchester United, um, that's mostly my team there, but uh, I'll put my biases aside. I think I think United need to need to win here. I think... I mean, Ali is one game at a time. I mean, he has a 55% win record as a manager for Manchester United. Yeah. Well, that means absolutely shit. Like, that means nothing in terms of anybody, I think. Yeah. If they draw or they lose, I think he's going to be back in the hot seat um, that he ever left it. Yeah, I mean, it's been a weird year for them, too. Like, to get, to get like, a lopsided win against Leipzig and a win in Paris and sit where they do in the Premier League tables. It's, it's, it's been a strange season. And like you said, he, he hasn't spent much time off the offseason. But if they can't find a way, like they need to win that game to basically solidify a spot in the in the knockout stage. And if they don't, it's going to be ugly on, on Manchester United Twitter. I guarantee you that. <laughs> uh, it's already ugly now. Don't read that. Instead, support the women's soccer team because they are lights out playing go. well. That That's the mold that you should be watching, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Wednesday's... Fixtures are Muchinga Black uh, versus Shakhtar, Olympiacos City, Bayern, Salzburg, Atletico, Locomotive, Inter, Real, uh, Marseille, Porto, Ajax, Midtjylland, and Liverpool versus Atalanta. You want to take your picks? Yeah, let's run through it. Um, I'm, this group B is fun. Um, I like Gladbach a lot, actually. I think I think that they're gonna they're gonna get it done again against Shakhtar. Um, I like City against Olympiacos. Um, I'm a bit of a City guy. I'll put that out there, but I'm not going to take any any judgment for that. We'll move on. Um, I like I like Ajax against Midland. Midland, great story, but you know, like this, they're they're playing beyond their means a little bit. I think. Um, I'll I'll go Atletico. I like. I wish this the Salzburg game like it, it, it's in the Allianz Arena. It's gonna be so hard to steal points, but man, they were unbelievable to start that game against Bayern. Like I felt so bad. 78 scoring. minutes it was 2-2 right and then yeah. Bayard's like let's go to gear number three and then they hit it's... gear five by the end of the game and you're like uh did yeah, that just are... happen they're relentless I I gotta take Bayern I mean I, I want to take Salzburg <laughs> um I'll actually 
I'll take a draw in Interreal. It is, it's in Milan. I think Madrid haven't been great on the road in the Champions League since, since Ronaldo's departure. I, I like Milan there. Um, I mean, Liverpool, Atlanta should be, should be open. That's for sure. But I mean, Liverpool just smashed them in Italy. So I can't see how they lose at Anfield. Mm-hmm. And Marseille Porto is, you know, Marseille has really struggled here a little bit. So I can't see a scenario where they win, but it isn't, it is in France. I'll, I'll go with the draw for that one as well. Why not? Sure. Yeah, I like. I I think I share the same sentiment. I like Mucin Gladbach. I, mm-hmm. I'm a huge Matthias Ginter fan. I liked mm-hmm. his ability from Dortmund over there. But and I also called out that Pep, if you're listening to this, and I wish he was, um, Matthias Ginter would be a, a hard nosed defender that he should have picked up, um, especially for cover. Um, and in a Premier League where injuries are abundant, cough cough Liverpool, um, you need that that force. And I think he would have been great, but not that Diaz is any worse. Um, City will win again. There's, they're healthy now. Jesus is back. Um, Aguero is almost there, and Raheem Sterling and um, Kevin De Bruyne are just running that team. And I can't disagree with you there. Bayern's gonna walk. It's gonna be easy for them. They're gonna rotate the squad a little bit. Uh, Atletico as well. I think Inter beats Real one nothing. I think it'll be a stingy defensive game because that that third. Uh, match week game wasn't very good from either side. It was poor. I mean, no one looked like they're going to win. Like, Real had five minutes of fame, and that's all you need, I guess, to win a game. But um, not that Inter did any favors to themselves. So I think Inter wins this one. Uh, they're at home at the San Siro. It's a little different vibe. Um, AVB and Marseille, I don't think they've looked particularly great. So Porto is that one. I don't think it's a draw. Ajax will win. And I think Liverpool loses on match day four. Um, I'm a little worried about them in in terms of their health. Um, And I think you'll talk about that in the next segment, but I'm a little worried about them. And I think Atalanta are going to fly through. Um, It'll be like a one, nothing, two, nothing, or two, one sort of game. I think it'll be open, like you said, but I don't think Liverpool wins. And that, that makes me a little sad, but I don't. Interesting. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I like to make the bold ones, <laughs> just to, just to maybe at one point I'll get one right or something. No, I mean that's that's the way to do it, especially in in the Champions League. It's always a lot more fun than we see these you know these fairy tale stories. I'm not sure Adeline is a fairy tale, but you know to, to to come back and get a win at Anfield after that result would would certainly make it a lot more interesting. It would it would flip it over. Okay, I'm gonna ask you a tough question based on what you've seen over the first three weeks, and I guess uh, there domestic leagues who wins who is your winner who is your dark horse and who's your winner dark horse and then i mean honestly like this is boring but like i i think bar munich are still far and wide the best team in europe like i don't know i just don't see another team who's clicking like they are you know last year you might have said liverpool was a team that could have pushed if they were not as invested as they were in the Premier League. but you just talked about their injuries so they're not in that conversation and Barca's obviously not there. Juve's like even City. I mean, I, I can't really even make the case for City being on that level. I think Bayern are like right as it stands. I don't think anybody's on that that tier with them, to be honest. So it's got to be Bayern for me. And the dark horse is interesting. Um, I'd like to say United just to see <laughs> happy. Right? I have a lot of friends who are United fans. Um. You know, like, I'll be honest, just because of the way that they play and, and it's my own, you know, preference a little bit. I would like to see Dortmund have a run. And I know these two played against each other in the final, you know, I think it was 2013. Um, mm. 
how much fun would that be? I know yeah. that they're obviously both in the Bundesliga, but the way that they just let their young players just like have the have the keys to the city and just you know go out there and and have fun. I mean, that would be an unbelievable one-off final. If there's any indication of the game just before the international break, Haaland versus Lewandowski, mm-hmm. like that, if that's a match you want to go back and watch, anyone that is a great game to go watch. Yeah. Um, I, I it's it's really hard to disagree with you because I'm looking at what I have here. Like, there's no one who's going to really pull past Bayern right now. I mean, if Liverpool were healthy, I would have said Liverpool, Bayern are your best two teams in Europe. And um, yep. I mean, Ajax is going to be fun. I think I'll pick them as my dark horse. Um, that match against uh, Atalanta was fun. I think mm-hmm. it was the best match I've seen in the Champions League or at least the last couple of months. I think it was exciting. I mean, Atalanta pulled through. Uh, they were down to no, but I think if there's any indication of what Ajax can do healthy and being young, um, they're my dark horse. So Byron and Ajax are my two teams there. I like that, yeah. All right, well, that does it for our extra time segment. We went extra time with that one, so I hope you enjoyed it. Um, we're going to quickly wrap up with the off-the-bench segment. Uh, as usual, it's the major news stories, but this time we're going to go with the three major news stories just to stand against the EPL who keep fighting against five substitutions when there should be no sorry fighting yeah there should be five substitutions not three so i guess we'll support them today we'll go with three major stories to to work out with the three substitutions you want to start that off brady yeah sure thing so liverpool's injury bug continues as they now are without their starting back four this almost guaranteeing a january buy of defenders in addition to their back four they'll also be without captain jordan anderson and midfielder tiago as well now, Mo Salah tested positive with COVID, meaning Klopp will have to get super creative for his Premier League and Champions League matches. The Nations League finals have been set as France, Spain, Italy, and Belgium make it through. This lot of four now means that the winners of the 2006, 2010, 2018 World Cup winners are all present here in France, Spain, and Italy. The finals begin in October of 2021. And our last one, Canadian Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia have purchased a Welsh fifth-tier English soccer club, Wrexham FC. And, you know, word on the street is that they're going to build a documentary around this. And I I think that's going to be a hell of a watch, to be honest. Yeah, watch them in about four to five years and see if they actually put money in. And if they do, Mm -hmm. they're going to be competing. So uh, keep an eye out for Wrexham to be your next home team. (laughs) Your dark horse Champions League pick. All right, from like for five, 10 years down the road. Mm-hmm. All right, buddy, that does it for our episode today. Any final thoughts before we, we sign off? I know, I'm sorry. We went a little overboard and that, that comes down to me, but um, any final thoughts? No, I mean, MLS playoffs coming up. Premier League's back after the international window. I'm just excited to lock some hours on the couch and watch some footy. For sure. Uh, my final thought is no more international break. I do not think it's safe for COVID. I do not think it's safe for injuries. Um, either, you know, sacrifice a month of just international games or stop throwing them in through the middle of the season because I think it's wrecking the flow of, of of the seasons. I don't think teams are getting hot when they need to get hot. And when they're finally picking up steam, they're not really going anywhere. Yeah, it's wrecking my Saturday afternoons, too. I don't know what to do with myself without the Premier League. <laughs> yep, agreed. <laughs> All right, well, that does it for our episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Give us a like or leave a rating. You can follow us on Twitter at TouchlineTH. You can follow me at Irfan Manji. You can follow Brady at BradyReed 
underscore. Do not forget the underscore. Or you can follow Waking the Red. Uh, I will link that up for everyone to, to read into, look into. Great group of guys. Brady's awesome. So follow him there. Uh, don't forget to follow our network at Garage Door Sports. Check out garagedoorsports.com. And follow our segment sponsor, Shenzi Shack, on Instagram to place an order or to see their menu. Brady, thanks for coming on, man. I really, really appreciate it. I hope you had a good time. And I apologize we went over, but always, always happy to have someone who likes soccer, wants to talk soccer, and is, is willing to have a conversation. Yeah, it was a ton of fun, man. Appreciate you having me. And, and if you'll have me again, uh, I'm hoping to get back in the near future. You will be back. Well, how about this? I'll, I'll tell you right now. MLS playoff ends. Let's have, a, let's have an episode with you. Perfect. You got it. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we will see you next match day. Cheers.